Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. is up Dolphins and welcome into the Tuesday April the 30th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host Travis Wingfield and as always I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football and on today's show Josh Rosen introduced in Davey will get you caught up on what Miami's new quarterback had to say plus some stories from around the internet on Josh Rosen's character how the trade went down and how this acquisition doesn't prohibit Miami from jumping back into the quarterback market next season plus what this draft tells us about Miami's philosophical offensive shift in addition to Miles Gaskin and Chandler Cox tape study and some free agents to look forward to in the coming weeks all of that and a whole lot more but first before any of it I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app on Apple podcast Stitcher tuned in Google Play However you get your podcast, go ahead and subscribe. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at NFL. Voted the best follow on Dolphins Twitter. And the show is at LockedOnFins. And of course, LockedOnDolphins.com. We have three new pieces up there today. Chandler Cox, Miles Gaskin Film Study, and the Philosophical Offensive Shift with plenty of other content from the weekend. Go check out all we have to offer up there. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. I got to get a lot in on this show. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. So first things first, Josh Rosen met with the Dolphins media for the first time in the Aqua and Orange. And for the most part, it was pretty tame, but there were a couple of sound bites that were sure to get the beat guys going, and you could certainly tell that after two particular comments, they were pretty excited, just judging off the unmistakable sound of keyboards rapidly clicking after he said it, and it was the quote that I led the article off with on LockedOnDolphins.com, referring to the chip on Josh Rosen's shoulder, which we have speculated about on the podcast and I think it's pretty much a given, but he was asked about any motivations that have been provided to him by this process, and Josh simply responded, if my chip grew any bigger, I'd probably tip over. That got some chuckles out of the room, and it makes a lot of sense. This guy has been passed over and treated as poorly as you can for a first-round draft pick just one year removed from college. So clearly, he's motivated, and I would be too if people were talking about me the way they're talking about him, And referring to this insistence that the Dolphins beat writers or other people around the country are putting it, as Josh Rosen phrases it, an ill narrative about Josh Rosen, he had this to say, I think I'm a really good teammate, but that's not up to me to judge. There was a bad perception at first, but what I've tried to do is to to not say much, just keep my head down and maybe it'll straighten out. I'm worried about what I can control. I want to be consistent with the same energy and be the same guy each and every day. Love that. Time is the best medicine to cure the ill narrative and then Chris Perkins asked him why do you think that ill narrative existed in the first place and he acknowledged that maybe he wasn't always the best mature type of player when he was at college because he was thrust into the spotlight there at UCLA and admitted that he quote used to say things off the cuff when he was thrown into the fire at UCLA but now he's learned to take a different approach end quote 
And the second quote that got the beat guys in a total frenzy was one regarding replacing Hall of Fame quarterback, all-time quarterback Dan Marino, which to me is still funny that we're talking about replacing him 20 years after the fact. But Rosen's response was this, quote, I'm aware of the situation. Hopefully I can follow in some semblance of his massive footsteps. So at least he understands the situation in terms of how Dolphins fans view Dan Marino. And on playing time, which was a little bit more relevant to his actual position with the Dolphins football team, what is his position on this team? Does he expect to be the starter? He said, quote, they want me to come in and compete. At the end of the day, I just want to compete and have fun and take it day by day. I can control what I can control. So that tells me to buckle up, Dolph fans, because it sounds like for the first time in six years, as many of you guys want, we got ourselves a good old-fashioned training camp quarterback competition. I'm not thrilled about that. I think that means you're not a good football team when you have a competition, but hopefully Rosen solidifies the position and wins it hands down and gives us a good backup quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick. And hopefully, I I hope, a long-term solution at the franchise quarterback position with Josh Rosen. But the one thing that is certain from all this is that the Dolphins have captured headlines in a way that would have been impossible outside of a move like this or going up to draft quarterback Kyler Murray or Daniel Jones or, I suppose, to a lesser extent, staying put and drafting Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State at number 13 overall. But guys all over Twitter are lauding the Dolphins for this move and national guys, no less, the same ones that crapped on this team all offseason last year And I'm going to come back to that later in the episode, but I wanted to touch on a comment here that came from Chris Greer's post-draft press conference, and the quote goes as such. Every team in the league is looking for that guy that's going to lead them to championships, and so for us, we're in a position where we're trying to find that guy, like a lot of teams in the league. So yeah, it was an easy decision, and it doesn't stop us from doing anything in the future. Who knows? If things go well and we feel he's the guy, who knows? but it doesn't stop us from doing anything. So you don't have to remove yourself from the tank for Tua Train if you are so inclined to do that. We just have another option in front of the tank for Tua Train that gives us an opportunity for, again, a long-term franchise quarterback, something that we flirted with with Ryan Tannehill, something we had for one year with Chad Pennington. And other than that, It's been since Dan Marino, since the Dolphins have had a legitimate, long-term, multi-year franchise quarterback. Josh Rosen, at least, gives you hope of that going forward. And then, there was another article from Robert Klimko of Monday Morning Quarterback up on Sports Illustrated, and it detailed the trade process and how Arizona didn't start to field trade offers until after they had selected Kyler Murray with the first pick on Thursday night's draft. The interest from other teams was reportedly real, which means I have to redact my previous comments about Miami getting played by negotiating against themselves in this trade because they weren't. Other suitors included the New England Patriots and the Los Angeles Chargers, which is funny because Rosen in that press conference, I have to go back and amend this, mentioned that he never met with the Patriots last offseason prior to the draft. And the one guy, as I talked about on yesterday's podcast, who he communicated with frequently in Miami was Adam Gaze. And that kind of confirms my opinion that Adam Gaze was the one that didn't like Josh Rosen and the Dolphins scouting staff did in fact like him. And Chris Greer intimated as much in his press conferences as well. But the Patriots this year, along with the Los Angeles Chargers, were reportedly interest for a third round compensation offer 
offer to give to the Cardinals for Josh Rosen, hence Miami's second round compensation package that eventually got the deal done, which, by the way, major kudos to Chris Greer for willing and dealing and parlaying it into a future second round pick and putting himself at the bottom of round two, essentially almost a third round pick to make that trade go down. And further detailing this entire weekend process, apparently there was a conversation, and this again from the Robert Klemko story, between Josh Rosen and his agent that detailed the possibility of Arizona keeping both quarterbacks on the roster, as Cardinals GM Steve Kime stated, having, quote, the best quarterback depth and quarterback room in the NFL, end quote, and Rosen responded to that claim by saying, good, I'll just beat him out then, but they knew that was never going to happen. Arizona wasn't about to keep Rosen and then start Murray, start him over Murray and double down on back-to-back mistakes that way. But that's where Rosen comes out of this thing smelling like roses for this whole entire process. The maturity and professionalism to handle it the way he did certainly flies in the face of the agenda being pushed by a select few beat guys down in South Florida. And the two money quotes that arose from all of this First was Rosen addressing Steve Smith's inflammatory comments on the NFL Network. Smith took exception with the fact that Rosen unfollowed the Cardinals on social media after they had selected Kyler Murray, and Rosen's response to Steve Smith's comments was this. Quote, I wonder if I unfollow Parley for the Ocean, which is a climate change awareness group, that that will bring the same kind of attention for their organization and maybe we can save the planet. End quote. Apparently, Josh Rosen is very environmentally sound. He requested cleats from Adidas last year made from recycled plastics. And this isn't a political podcast, but I can't imagine that anyone would think that's anything short of awesome. And then there was this one, my favorite one. And it was about the adversity and the situation that Rosen finds himself in presently. He said, quote, it's not like I'm some child soldier in Darfur. I've had it pretty good. I think it's time I had some legitimate adversity handed to me, end quote. Rosen, according to my Twitter timeline, is quickly becoming a cult hero in Miami, and if he throws the football as well as he speaks to the media, he's going to be a rock star, and they're going to have to put a statue of him up next to Dan Marino. That's the goal, that's the hope for every Dolphins fan, at least it should be, even me, who doesn't really believe it's going to work out the way we all hope it does, but again, the hope is that Josh Rosen becomes the guy going forward. All right, in the next segment, we roll on with these rookie scouting portfolios as Miami added a pair of backs in the seventh round. We'll talk about those new additions, plus what it means for Miami's offense next. But first, on the topic of acquiring talent, I'm here to tell you guys about the smartest way to hire with ZipRecruiter. Hiring is challenging. It can be difficult to find qualified candidates, and it's an exhausting process that requires going through application after application, but ZipRecruiter can streamline that and make it easy with ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and like the Dolphins overturning this roster, they don't stop there. With ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology, they scan thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K 
E-D-O-N, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Now, I have been accused in the past on the Apple podcast reviews of being a little bit too biased for the Washington State Cougars, and maybe I am, but I would hope that all of you guys that have alumni status would be biased towards your college. But even with that said, I'm about to heap a lot of praise on Dolphins' seventh-round draft pick running back out of the University of Washington, Miles Gaskin, the only player besides Ron Dane in college football history to have 1,200 or more rushing yards in four consecutive seasons in college football. He posted 100 carries for 550 yards and 10 touchdowns in four Apple Cups. The biggest football game in the state of Washington every year was dominated by Miles Gaskin. The production was insane. He averaged 5.6 yards per carry throughout his career, 62 total touchdowns, and 5,700 scrimmage yards in his collegiate career. The guy is a tone-setting, throwback type of running back who can pound the ball between the tackles, take a lot of hits, a lot of heat, and power his way through contact to get extra yardage. But it's not just the ability to put his head down and trudge through linebackers and defensive linemen alike. He has this very innate ability to move side to side after possessing the football on the handoff with elite level change of direction skill set without losing acceleration through the hole and that vision he displays on outside and inside zone runs is very evident on tape as he can set up blockers to be in the right position and press the hole and influence the defense before getting out to the edge and out racing them. He is a good looking player on tape. He's not going to wow you with second level quickness or breakaway speed or even imaginative running at the second level. He's not going to make the big play that way, but he does consistently eat up four or five yards a pop. He's a consistent back, and frankly, a back that I think Adam Gaze would really like in the Miami Dolphins organization, but thankfully, that's no longer the case. He ran a 4.58 40-yard dash, 35-inch vert, 118-inch broad, a 7.193 cone, and his 20-yard short shuttle at 4.27 seconds was the fifth best among running backs. He was a high school 100-meter state champion here in the state of Washington, and the leadership traits that everyone talks about with Miles Gaskin are very apparent. He was kind of Chris Peterson's mouthpiece in terms of talking to the players, communicating to his huddle. Even senior quarterback Jake Browning would take guidance from Miles Gaskin. Chris Peterson at UW credited Miles Gaskin as one of the primary guys that helped them shift and change the culture and create that or turn that program from a loser into the powerhouse of the Pac-12. Miles Gaskin, a good looking back. I think he slots right in as the third running back on the roster behind Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balaj, and I expect him to steal some snaps from those guys and participate on special teams as well. He's a good-looking player. The Dolphins got a good pick here. He's valued as around a fourth, fifth-round draft pick by most, most draft Knicks because of that vision, because of the outside zone exceptional ability he has, and the ability to manipulate second-level defenders with his hesitation and change of direction skills. This is a great spot to get Miles Gaskin in the draft. And the other seventh round draft pick taken one spot ahead of Miles Gaskin is Auburn H-back Chandler Cox. And I call him an H-back because he played all over the formation there at the University of Auburn. As Ryan Smith of Pro Football Focus, he is at PFF underscore Ryan Smith noted, he played 284 snaps at fullback, 
112 snaps at tight end and several snaps at receiver, halfback, and quarterback as well. So he's all over the formation. They like to use him in that similar mold as Nick O'Leary, where he comes across the formation and split zone and takes out the backside collapser. He's very good in that area. He's very controlled out in space. He can work the screen games and get out there and make blocks because, as you'll recall, the Dolphins time and time again went to guys like Kenny Stills and Mike Gesicki and Jakeem Grant to make blocks. Well, there's plenty of clips up on this article on LockedOnDolphins.com here, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, showing him getting out in space and making blocks on those screenplays. He was one of the unquestioned leaders at the University of Auburn. Gus Malzahn said that Chandler Cox never has a bad day, always has a positive attitude, and provides leadership that way and gets guys up. Again, sticking to this theme of finding guys that love football, love the game, love life, and and prioritize hard work and the game of football itself. A good-looking addition that way. There are some instances where he gets off balance and pass protection and maybe whiffs out linebackers at the second level. I'm not sure I want to be as confident going forward saying that he can be the James Devlin, but that helps us transition into piece number three that's live on LockedOnDolphins.com today titled Dolphins Offseason Signals philosophical shift on offense and I'm talking about Miles Gaskin and Chandler Cox and Michael Dieter and Dwayne Allen and Isaiah Prince and all these additions that convert this team from a spread style offensive attack 11 personnel heavy offensive attack under Adam Gase into more of a throwback more closely associated with what Chad O'Shea was part of with the New England Patriots up there under Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick in New England. Now, previously, Miami had offensive linemen that were prioritized athletic traits. Jesse Davis and Jawan James were two of those guys, both pretty good at getting out in space and pulling and hitting run blocks that way. Laramie Tunzel, of course, is elite at everything, but Prince and Dieter and Dwayne Allen and Chandler Cox and even Miles Gaskin as a ball, as a ball carrier, these guys are all lunch pail type of players, tone setters, mentality changers in the locker room, on the football field. And this Dolphins team, to me, is going to be much more smash mouth and run it down your throat compared to what it was in the past where they were pass heavy and really didn't want to run the ball down teams' throats, especially on short yardage situations. And that really is where Chandler Cox comes in to provide a pathway clearer for the running backs in the running game. And I think that these additions really adhere to the idea that Miami is going to shift pretty big time in terms of how they call their plays and the personnel packages they deploy in 2019 compared to the three-year stretch under Adam Gase from 2016 to 2018. Because during those three years, only three teams in the NFL cumulatively ran 11 personnel more than the Miami Dolphins. It was wide receiver based. It was F tight ends, guys that can flex out, move across the formation. That was the basis for their offensive philosophy to go along with the athletic offensive linemen. And now the Dolphins are putting more emphasis on tight ends, on sledgehammer backs, on a fullback. And on those tight ends that have polarizing traits the way Dwayne Allen and Mike Gesicki do. So opposed to being this 11 personnel heavy offense, you might see more 21 personnel and 12 personnel with more play action off of that. You go to New England and they ran the second most 21 personnel in the NFL at 36% of the time. Number one was the San Francisco 49ers using it 54% of the time, way above the league average. 
of about 6%, but the Patriots also came in way over that mark, giving James Devlin 36% of their offensive snaps. Now, in San Francisco, they have Kyle Juszczyk, a $21 million fullback over a four-year contract, and he played 63% of their snaps, hence the use of 21 personnel over and over and over again. But that's where Chandler Cox comes onto this roster and maybe changes the way they do things. Of course, the Dolphins could run more 21 personnel with two running backs on the field because, as you'll recall, late in the year, Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balage were part of some uh, two-back personnel packages. And the big play they got in that Patriots game, the 54-yard Brandon Bolden touchdown run, actually had three backs on the field. So I think you're going to see a lot more condensed packages, condensed offensive play calls, less spread receivers out on the field, more running backs, more tight ends, because that will help Josh Rosen bring out the best in his game, where the most of his success came from 12 personnel packages. The Cardinals last year ran that 12 personnel, which is one back, two tight ends, two receivers, at a clip 6% higher than the league average in 2018, and only five teams ran 12 personnel more frequently than the Arizona Cardinals, and that helped Rosen in play-action passing, where he was actually 17th in the league in play-action frequency, at 24.1% of his pass attempts, though I think that rate was probably severely hampered by the fact that Arizona was just an offensive struggle game in and game out and had to play catch up on the scoreboard. But Rosen's yards per attempt increased by 1.3 yards on play action passes and his passer rating was 20.1 points better on play action compared to non-play pass. Again, the condensed formations allow the quarterback to read the defense from the inside out. It makes the processing easier and it allows the quarterback to play safer and rely on his ground game more than the passing game where Adam Gaze was very much pass first compared to running the football. So this is a zig while the rest of the league zags and that only works with competent coaching staffs but until they prove otherwise under Brian Flores and Chad Shea I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because well frankly it can't get much worse the Dolphins over the last three years averaged the 24th best scoring offense in the NFL only eight teams were worse so the Dolphins fell securely in to the bottom fourth tier of NFL offenses. Okay, we've got one more segment here on this very busy Tuesday show in the Locked On Dolphins podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, including some possible free agents to come in over the next couple of weeks and months. And is it good times in Miami finally? Some national media heaping some praise on this Dolphins team. All of that next. Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. beauty of Miami's plan through free agency to kind of sit idly by is that one week post-draft, which will be on Thursday, players that are signed to free agent contracts no longer impede your compensatory pick formula, which means Miami can protect that third and fifth round asset via the Cam Wake and Jawan James contracts signed by the Broncos and Titans respectively and maintain those picks while adding pieces to their roster. And you guys will all recall Chris Reed and Dwayne Allen and Eric Rowe were the gems of the Dolphins free agency class, which might be more of the norm. And we'll get to that here in a second going forward. They also brought in Tank Carradine, Ryan Fitzpatrick, obviously, and Clive Walford. 
But Adam Beasley of the Miami Herald posted an article. You guys asked me about free agents that the Dolphins could possibly look at coming up. I haven't gotten that far into the list, but luckily Adam Beasley did, and he listed these guys out here. First, my first choice, and the one that I think is the easiest, is defensive tackle Danny Shelton from the New England Patriots. He could probably come in and give you 30% of the snaps at nose tackle and be a heavy package run defense nose tackle on this defense where they don't really have that beef right now on the roster. He could provide Miami that likely for very cheap on a one or two year deal. Offensive tackles, since right now it's basically Zach Stirrup and Isaiah Prince, which we're going to talk about Isaiah Prince's film on a future podcast this week, and it's not pretty, but Jeremy Parnell of the Jaguars is still out there. The Dolphins could have him in their crosshairs, although he was 51st out of 80 tackles last year on PFF. Donald Penn, the 36-year-old, I don't agree with that one at all. I think just move on from him. Jared Valdir is an interesting option because he's been banged up a lot. He's been bounced around from the Cardinals to the Broncos, but he was a first-round draft pick, a nine-year pro who has 86 career games under his belt. He could be an option for the Dolphins. Joseph Barksdale, Chris Clark, Mike Remmers, and Jermon Bushrod, among the names mentioned by Adam Beasley. On the edge, he talked about Ezekiel Ansah, Nick Perry, and Shane Ray. I think Shane Ray might be the most potential option of that group, although Nick Perry did play for Patrick Graham with the Green Bay Packers, also picked up 18 sacks in a two-year stretch. He's had some injury issues as well, but he remains out there, as do Deion Jordan, former Dolphin William Hayes, along with Deion Jordan, and Derek Morgan of the Tennessee Titans. He lists Morris Claiborne, Captain Munnerlyn, and Devon House at cornerback. So there are guys out there, and I expect Miami to make some moves in this in this portion of free agency and try to find some lightning in a bottle because these are one-year type of prove-it deal guys they could find much like they have with an Eric Rowe or like with a Chris Reed and try to go out and get something from these guys that really don't have a lot of offers elsewhere around the league. And this could become the norm according to Adam Beasley who tweeted out this on April the 28th on Sunday. Prediction. Based on Chris Greer's comments yesterday, I'd say he's more inclined to use Miami's massive cap space next year to buy more draft picks than to sign free agents. They have 12 picks next year, and he wants that to be the rule, not the exception. I'm not entirely sure how Beasley thinks that will be achieved because you can't just buy draft picks. You have to have high price guys on your roster to sell out and to buy their contracts for the team in exchange for draft capital. They don't really have that option anymore outside of maybe a Kiko Alonso, but that was really more of clearing out the bad contracts on the current roster. And I just think that means they probably won't go out and sign like a Nate Solder or an Andrew Norwell, the big $60 million, $70 million contracts that get inked every year on the offensive line or at pass rusher. They could be more conservative, as I have suggested, and put more money into their own resources. Guys they drafted that worked out. I talked about it on yesterday's show. Xavier Howard's obviously first. Laramie Tunzel comes in there as well. And then you have the Jakeem Grants and Kenyon Drakes, possibly Devon Godshaw and Vincent Taylor going forward. But I think we might have to temper our expectations with Miami's $120 million in cap space next offseason, much like the Colts did this year with Chris Ballard and not going too crazy in free agency, except where the unique circumstances apply, like Stephon Gilmore with the Patriots a couple years ago. There will be instances where Miami are intrigued. It just won't be the norm. And I think that's what Adam Beasley means by that tweet. And a couple more tweets I want to talk about here from two guys that are pretty well respected on the national landscape. Number one is Warren Sharp. He is at Sharp Football, a fantastic follow. You guys have to check him out. 
as all the data I provided in that offensive philosophical shift piece up on LOD.com came from Warren Sharp and sharpfootball.com. But he says this, the Dolphins got Rosen, the number 10 pick last year, and a fifth round draft pick in 2020. Arizona got number 62, which he has that backwards, by the way. But the Cardinals already paid all of the big money for Josh Rosen. He cost the Dolphins $6.3 million over the next three years. The Dolphins capitalized, mauled the Cardinals in value. Absolutely insane again in capitals, all because people didn't understand the context of Rosen's season. And what he means by that is their offensive line, their receivers and their play calling. All those things were dreadful. So Warren Sharp is on our side and notorious Dolphins hater Evan Silva at Evan Silva has been banging the Dolphins drum this offseason. A change in mentality from him. He says a 2020 second rounder. If you're frustrated with the team you've been supporting and they're going in the wrong direction, I'd suggest becoming a Dolphins fan because this rebuild is going to be a lot of fun. So good times in Miami, a positive impact. This trade seems to have all of the professional journalists and beat or draft Knicks and beat writers. Everybody seems to be tuned into this move on a national scale. It just hasn't quite caught the bug in Miami with a certain select few members of the media. And real last, I saw this on Twitter before I came on the podcast to record. Chad Johnson reached out, the receiver Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco, reached out to Josh Rosen for some film watching and some workouts, and Josh Rosen agreed. So I think that's a good thing, but I know that Josh Rosen's going to be more in tune with social media and engaging people on Twitter. His Twitter is actually pretty funny. He's a clever guy. He's a sarcastic guy. I think that bodes well for the way he'll fit into the locker room with the Miami Dolphins. As for today's podcast, that's going to do it. Tomorrow, we're going to get into the two Badger rookies, Michael Dieter and Andrew Van Ginkle. We'll do their film study, their scheme fits, and talk to the host of Locked On Badgers about those players' times in Madison, Wisconsin. But as for today's show... That is going to be my time. If you guys have a smart speaker or Bluetooth capability in your car, you can pull up the podcast right away. Just say play Locked On Dolphins podcast for your daily dose. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter. It's at NFL. The show is at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.